This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Well, hello there, Austin Life Church and friends. So glad that you are joining us here this morning on the Austin Life Church webcast digital virtual church gathering. Um, still, I, I still don't know what to call that. It's fine. It's whatever. Uh, we're we're going to be in the Word today, though. I know that. We're going to be looking at God's steadfast love from Exodus 34. Um, and so if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 34. Um, if you don't have a Bible, I would invite you to text me, 817-709-9121. Um, please don't sell my phone number. That would be great. Uh, and I text me, and I would love to get you a Bible. So uh, Exodus 34, uh, let's start with a little little tunes, a little DJ, CJ. Uh, those are my initials. And um, why don't you go ahead, and if you know it, if you know it, go ahead and sing along with us here. DJ, hit it. Come on. All you need is love. I love the stones. Uh, So good, so good, so good. Uh, Kidding, kidding, kidding. I know that that was the Beatles. Oh, man, come on. But, right, love is one of the most popular themes in music, in books, in movies, in TV. Um, Love, love sells, right? People want love. They want a happy ending. We love love. But at the same time, love is a tricky word. Right, like what? What do the Beatles mean when they're singing "All You Need Is Love"? Like what? What? What does that mean? We use the word love in so many contexts, so many different ways. It it has a million different meanings, right? So, uh, my my niece, she stayed with us a couple nights. She loves hot pockets, like loves them. Uh, my my coach at the gym, John. What's up, John? Um, he loves barbells and beer, specifically West Coast IPA. But man, you give him a good barbell complex and a beer afterwards, and he's in a happy place. You know, uh, we we love Stephanie loves foot massages. She loves to get a foot massage. Uh, we love our BFFs and our mommies and our dads. And we love videos of puppies and kitties, and even better if they're playing together. Um, we, we love justice. We love good food. Love wins. In many cases, um, it, it, love is agreeing and endorsing something, right? So it seems impossible to love someone if you disagree with them. Um, love is in a relationship, in a marriage, in a family with with the, the, the world and love is selfless and love is good. Like love, it, it, it has so many meanings. What do we even mean when we're talking about love anymore? Typically, I think we use the word love, we, we love something when it subjectively makes us happy. When, when the object that we love or the person that we love makes us happy and, and enjoy life, we, we typically love that. But in, in that case, if, if we only love someone or something it, when it makes us happy, you have to ask then, like, 
is that person, is that thing simply a means to our end, right? If, if I love you because you make me happy, then it seems to me then that my love for you is, you're, you're just a means to my end, my, my happiness. Um, now, that's a fair definition of love. Like I, I love, you know, I love some drinks. I love food, you know, because they make me happy, right? And so th that's okay, but it's a, it's a shallow love. It's a love that comes and goes based on our, our happiness, right? So if I love Nikes, but man, I don't, they're hurting my feet now. Well, I'll just switch to Reebok or something, right? Like, so I'll just be like, I love that not anymore. I love this. Or if I love enchiladas, but then I eat a bad enchilada, maybe I won't love enchiladas anymore because it doesn't make me happy. So it's a fair definition of love, but it's it's a shallow love, right? It's not It's not the kind of love that, we want with people, that we want with things that really matter. It's not a, it's not a pure love, a selfless love. It's a self-serving love. It's a self-interested, uh, prideful kind of love. And it's a terrible way to love when it comes to people and when it comes to commitment. Yet this is how we treat our churches a lot of times, right? We, we love our church because of what it gives to us and does for us. But as, as soon as it's not really hitting the mark anymore, as soon as we're not really getting anything out of it, we'll, we'll pack up and move on to another church and love that church until it's no longer hitting the mark. And then we, we move on. It's, and it's not healthy and it's not helpful for the church. Uh, we unfortunately love people like this. We love someone until we fall out of love. And then now it's time to go find new love. Or we, we love someone until a more exciting love comes in and, and then we move on, right? And it's, it's terrible for, for people and it's not at all how we want to be loved. And I don't think it's how we want to love, honestly. I, I think we know that it's, it's shallow, that it's, it's a love based on conditions. And, and we want to be loved unconditionally. We want to know that, that someone can see us through and through, that the, the light can shine on the darkest parts of our lives, and they're still going to love us. They're still going to be there. That's the kind of love that we truly want, a selfless love that remains and endures no matter what, no matter the circumstances, uh, even when we let them down. Yes, I said when we let them down because we're going to, when we let someone down, we want to love and be loved in such a way that they're not going anywhere, that we're not going anywhere, that it's, it's rooted and it's anchored and it's deep. That's the kind of love we want. So when we get to the Bible and we start to see that God is love, and in 1 John 4, 8, when it, it says that um, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. When we start saying that God is love, what, what kind of love? It, what, what kind of love are we talking about here in 1 John 4? In Exodus 34, our, our passage that we've been looking at, when God himself says to Moses in verse 6, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. What kind of love are we talking about here? Is it the love that comes and goes? Is it, is it conditional? Is it a love that, that simply just makes God happy? Um, what kind of love is God? 
Okay, so in 1 John 4, in the Greek, which is the New Testament, the New Testament, Matthew to Revelation, was written in Greek. It's the original language. And so when we read 1 John 4, 8, the Greek word there for love is the Greek word agape. You've probably heard that used before, an agape love. And, and it is the most common way to describe God's love in the Greek is agape. Agape means an unconditional and sacrificial love. Agape is an unconditional. It's a love that without condition, an unconditional and sacrificial love. It is the active pursuit, the active pursuit of another's good regardless of feeling, circumstance, or merit. So it is an unconditional sacrificial love, the active pursuit of another's good, regardless of, of personal feeling, of surrounding circumstances, or even the merit, the deservingness of the other person. Agape is a selfless love of decision, of, of, of choosing. It's not, it's not based on feeling. It knows feelings may come and go. Circumstances may change. It is a love of choosing. I will give selflessly love. I will seek the good of another regardless of what's happening. So in 1 John 4, 8, when it says, Theos agape estin, God is love, or, or to translate it literally, God love is, right? God is Love, it means the God of the Bible is the God is, that, that He is the God of unconditional and sacrificial love. A God of love who chooses to love regardless of whether the object of His love is deserving, regardless of whether they, they measure up, regardless of circumstances, regardless of feeling, God is love. This is, come on, this is, a, this is the kind of love we want. This is the love we want from, from others around us. This is the kind of love that I, I believe we want to give. This is the love of God. Now, Exodus 34, when it says the two English words, steadfast love, is the one Hebrew word, hesed. It, it has much of the same meaning of agape. So the, the most common use of the word love, uh, of God's love in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, is hesed, and it is also a selfless love of choosing. It, it, it is a selfless love of an intentional choice to move forward in another's good, regardless of circumstances, regardless of feeling or, or merit. And, and what's unique about the word hesed is it is a love anchored to, like bound up in a commitment and a promise. God's love, hesed, is, is tied to a promise that he made to be loving. It's, it's kind of like in a marriage. Uh, Grant and Lizzie are getting married later this month. Congratulations. Tip of the hat to you, Grant and Lizzie. And when they stand at the altar... And they give their vows, their promise, their covenant. They are saying, I will love you whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we're sick or whether we're healthy. In the good days and the godful bad days, I promise, I commit to give you my love. Now, on the bad days, like the real low of lows, that's not a love based on feeling or emotion. It, it may not even be a love based on attraction. 
It is a love based on commitment and covenant that says, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, I will love you. That's hesed. I'm going to love you no matter what. No matter even what you do, I will love you forever. That's a love that, that you get to choose, to get to decide upon. That's the kind of love, that's what steadfast love is. It's an enduring love. It stays, it remains, it chooses, no matter what, to love the object of its affections. It chooses to set its love on another. That's the kind of love that we want. And God is the only true and sure source of this love. In a marriage, in a God-honoring marriage, we may love really well like that, but it's not perfect. We're still going to fall short. Our love is still going to ebb and flow, wax and wane. It's, it's, it's what happens. We can, we can return back to it and we can, we can recommit to it. And we can, but it's never as pure, as certain, as selfless as God's love is for us. And He will never run out of that. For all of eternity, God is love. God is agape. God is hesed. He chooses to give His love towards us, and He anchors that in a commitment, in a promise. Okay, so let's talk more about this love and, and why it's so amazing. Right? Like, so we've defined some a Greek and Hebrew word, right? So we, we, we could write down the definition. We could, we could, on a multiple choice test, we could pick the right answer and, and get, get an A. But let's talk some more about this love and what makes it so amazing. Now, trust me, you're going to want to hear this. So, so lean in, listen to this, and, and let's, let's do this. So, God is love. The love of God is agape. It is hesed. It is a generous outward movement toward the good of another, regardless of feeling, regardless of circumstances, regardless of merit. God chooses to love others. God chooses to generously move outward towards others. It's selfless. It is not self-seeking. It is not a roundabout way to use another Agape and Hesed, the, the, the love of God is simply a generous outpouring of love toward another. Anything less than a selfless love, a, a love for the other, is not agape. It's not Hesed. It's that love is selfless. So recall last week I was I was struggling. Um, because I was like, okay, how is God selflessly loving if he's commanding me to love him, right? Like that seems kind of like he's just using me, like I'm a means to his end. But, but then we talked about God's eternal love within himself in the Trinity. And, and so let's, let's recap. Let's go back there, right? So for all of eternity, God has existed as one God, right? Uh, sorry for my, my poor drawing. There's one God, one God, but he exists as three unique separate persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And for all of eternity, John 17 probably gives the best description of this, is that within himself, God has been selflessly loving himself. 
I know it sounds weird, right? But, but within himself, Father, Son, Spirit, he is selflessly giving, generously giving love in a unconditional, sacrificial way. So the Father has loved agape, hesed, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son has loved the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has loved the Father and the Son. And so you see in God himself, this beautiful picture of perfect, selfless love, of agape, of hesed, for all of eternity. This is who God is. It does not change. It has never changed. It will never change. It, it, it is simply as certain as this mug is ceramic. It just is what it is. It's not going to change all of a sudden into plastic or into um, wood or, or something. It is what it is. God is who he is. Yahweh, right? He is, who, he is love. And so for all of eternity, before you and I existed, before Adam and Eve existed, before the world existed, God existed and is love. He's selflessly, generously giving and receiving this love in perfect joy and delight and harmony. And so I emphasize this, right? You're like, okay, Corey, you've said that a million times. Yes, because before anything else existed, God existed in perfect delight and love. That means he did not need us. He did not need the world. He did not need humanity to be love, to give love, and to receive love. But he perfectly did that within himself as Father, Son, Spirit, infinitely happy in love on his own. I think sometimes when we think of God's love, we think of it purely as us as the object of it, as the recipients of it. And yes, we, we are the object and recipients of God's love, but that's not how it began. That's not, that's not how God existed for eternity. He existed without us before anything and was perfectly content and joyful and, and, and had perfect love. So then why did God create us? In Genesis 1, 26, why did God say, let us make man in our image? If everything was good, why, why create us? It's simply because God is love. He is a generous, overflowing abundance of goodness toward another. That's how he is. That's how he operates. As he simply moves toward the good of another. And so it was his joy to create a world and a people that would join him in this relationship. That would share in this Loving union with him. This was so good. This was so incredible. God, God just wanted to share it with others. He wanted to bring others into this relationship, right? And so God creates the world. And the pinnacle of his creation is mankind, is Adam and Eve. And so God creates, he, he loops Adam and Eve into this relationship where they are receiving his love, his selfless agape, his generous outpouring, his, his complete gift and unconditional love. They are receiving it and they are giving it back. They are joining God in this relationship. They're sharing with it. This is how it began. 
God didn't have to create the world. God didn't have to create Adam and Eve. He simply wanted to. It was his delight to give us a world where we can enjoy and enjoy God and, and join him in this beautiful dance. Are, are, are we all together? He didn't have to. He simply wanted to. He wanted to invite us into this relationship to share of his divine love with us. Well, what happened? Adam and Eve, who, who again, did nothing to earn God's love. They were simply created by God and poured on, God poured on his love to them. They did nothing, yet they arrogantly and pridefully gave God the middle finger and decided to go their own way. Now, I know it's like, who, wh- you're, you're, you're preaching a sermon. You, are you supposed to talk about giving the middle finger? And, and I just think it's appropriate. When you think of, of what Adam and Eve did to, to deserve God's this perfect love, to be brought into that relationship, to, to be looped into this divine relationship, they did nothing, absolutely nothing. God just simply wanted to create and gave them and brought them into this world. And then they're like, cool, I'm going to go my own way. Thanks for everything. Appreciate your kindness and your love. Forget you. You're going my own way. And they broke this relationship. They walked away from God's love and took their love and gave it to another. That's what happened in Genesis 3. Now, it's easy for us from the outside looking in to be like, Adam, Eve, what are you doing? You had it all. You had perfection. You had, you had everything. Why? Why would you be so arrogant? So it's easy for us to watch a, a, a child receive these abundant gifts and just arrogantly run off and not care about the giver of the gifts. It's easy for us to go, what are you doing? And yet that's us. We too have joined the, the, the way of Adam and Eve and have walked away. God created us. We didn't bargain to be created. We weren't there before time began. We're like, hey, God, I think that it would be great if you would form me in my mother's womb and then put me into the world, you know, I don't know, around the 2000s, something like that, when technology, you know, it'd be great. We didn't, we didn't have that conversation with God. He simply chose to and delighted to and gave us, right? And then we receive those gifts and say, hey, thanks, God. I'm going to do my own thing with it. I'm going to go chase my own ambitions and loves and desires. I don't need you. We have joined in this movement of breaking that relationship with God, that love of God, right? So let's continue to just think about God's love. It exists for all eternity. He doesn't need us, yet in love and generous outpouring, He moves towards us. He creates us to to join Him in this divine love love, and we instead choose to go chase other lovers. We, we prostitute our hearts to other lovers, as, as the Old Testament often describes Israel, of prostituting their hearts after another love. That's what we do. But God's love is not anchored to a feeling or to circumstances. His love is not anchored to what we do or don't do. God's love, His hesed, is anchored in a promise and a commitment and selfless, generous giving 
regardless of what we do. He's loved us knowing that we would do this, knowing that in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve would walk away and sever that relationship, knowing that you and me, that, that God would create us and we would join the path of our first father and mother and go our own way. God knew that and he chose to give his love anyway. That is agape. That is hesed. And it's rooted in a promise. We see hesed come on the scene biblically in Genesis 15, right? So God has called Abraham to go and to begin a new people of faith that would follow him and would trust him. Abraham is going to lead the way in that. And God sets a promise with Abraham. He says, I promise you will be my people. I will be your God. I will give you my love and I will not go anywhere. I'm in no matter what, Abraham. And so God then brought Abraham in to perform a ceremony of covenant, a promise of covenant. It it is a lot like a marriage, right? Where the two parties would come together and would make a covenant together that they would not break no matter what. And so here's how it would go down. Is that the two parties would come together and they would make an, an, an aisle, a walkway. And on either side of the walkway would be animals that had been cut in half. And half of the animal would be over here and half of the animal would be over here. And the two parties would walk down that aisle together in covenant saying, my word is true. And if I am unfaithful to my word, the result of these animals will be the result of me. That's how they would seal a covenant, a promise, is they would say, I will do this. And and if I back out, may it be done to me as it is to these animals. And so Adam, not Adam, Abraham and God were going to make this covenant where God was going to give his love and Abraham was going to love in return and be faithful in return, just like a marriage, right? And here's what happened. Abraham fell asleep and missed the ceremony. It was only God who walked through the aisle. Only God said, I will do this no matter what, and if I break my covenant, may I be as these animals are. And here's why. He was saying two things. One, that he would keep his promise of love no matter what that he was going to fulfill his covenant no matter what. And two, he was going to fulfill his covenant knowing that Abraham and nobody else could also match the fulfillment that he could match. He knew that Abraham would not live up to his side of the covenant. He knew that no one else would live up to his side of faithful love. And so God went on his own, still promising to give love no matter what. I think sometimes we can misunderstand this this love of God, right? That this love that God gives to Adam and Eve, to Abraham, to you and to me, no matter what, we can then assume, oh, great, I can do whatever, right? God's love is no matter what, I can, I can, it doesn't matter in the end, I'm going to be with him. This is going to be brought back together and I'm going to be in a relationship with God because his love is so selfless and generous and it's based on a promise and it's commitment and God's not going anywhere. And, 
And that's true. God's love is not going anywhere. But if we think that we can be in a loving relationship with God while not also giving our love to Him, we're believing a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is a lie that the devil wants us to believe is that we can, we can do it. We don't have to love God. He's going to love us and it's all going to work out in the end. That is not how a loving relationship works. So in a marriage again, right, the, the two people commit to a faithful love with one another. But if one of the persons decides to leave, decides to go be unfaithful, decides to, to set their love on another, even if this person is still loving them, that relationship is broken. There is no relationship if one of the party does not love in return. Does that make sense? Now, that love can be reconciled and restored, but the offense, the obstacle of sin has to be removed. There has to be a confession and repentance so that reconciliation can take place. But for there to be a loving relationship, it has to be a mutual love. One love to the other, the other love back, right? There has to be a mutual giving of love. And so if we think, man, God is loving, which means I'm going to be in a relationship with Him, we have to love him in return for there to be a loving relationship. And so now we may start thinking, well, his love is conditional. Like, what am I supposed to? I can't live up to that. We've already said that we're going to fall short. We've already talked about that no one can live up to God's love. Abraham couldn't do it. That's why God walked down the aisle on his own. So if Abraham couldn't do it, I can't do it. Well, then how in the world do we have a relationship with God? This is where God's love gets spectacular. Hang with me here. We're, we're, we're coming into the end where it all ties in together. God's love is unconditional. I don't, it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your age or your race or your gender or how much money you have or don't have. It doesn't matter right now if you love God or don't. It doesn't matter if you are actively opposing God. You are created by God in His image. You have value and He loves you unconditionally. End of story, period. God loves you. He's generously chosen to set his love towards you. However, a loving relationship with God is conditional. It is conditioned on our loving him as well. Now, we can't live up to that. Our love is not good enough. We will never love God as he loves us. We will never perfectly join in this loving relationship relationship. We simply can not. But God so loves us that the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to fulfill the conditions on our behalf. God didn't have to create anybody. Yet he generously creates a world to join him in this relationship. Adam and Eve and Abraham and me and you have all selfishly gone our own way. God's love remains. We've gone our own way and broken this loving relationship. And yet, in love, 
God would come fix what we broke. God would step into our world to fix what we broke. The son, still in this relationship, came down to earth. And he lived among us. He lived as one of us. The, the God of the world, the, the Son, Jesus Christ, the one who didn't owe us anything, had everything, yet willingly chose to come to earth to fix what we broke right here, to fix it for us. Now, he could have come in any way. He could have come in power and been like, get your act together. Stop acting like a spoiled brat. Do you see what your father's done for you? Come on. And yet Jesus, the son, came beneath us to serve us, humbled himself to, to wash our feet, to live the perfect life of dependence and of submission and of love that we were supposed to live. Jesus came and on earth as a human, fully human and fully God, he lived this life for us. And then he died on the cross to suffer the punishment for our rebellion, to suffer the punishment for our sin, for our going our own way. Jesus suffered in our place. And then he ascended, rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven. And he invites us. He has reformed this way for us to have a relationship, a loving relationship with God. He's done everything for us. He, he re that reestablished it, restored the relationship that we can have with God. The, are, you, are you kidding me? Jesus, he didn't owe us anything. He didn't owe us anything in the beginning. He didn't owe us anything now. And yet in love, Jesus came to live and to die and to rise from the dead so that we can be given his right standing. We can join Jesus. We can follow in his footsteps and join him in this loving relationship that he has. We can know the love of God because of Jesus. We can have the love of God because of Jesus. And then in faith, when we trust what Jesus did, when we trust that he alone has fixed what we broke, God then sends the Holy Spirit to come and live in us so that we can actually do this. We can actually know God in loving relationship. We can actually be united to him. We can actually love others the same way that God has loved us because the spirit of God who's doing this is in us. Does this make sense? Is it, is it coming together, the love of God, the steadfast, enduring, faithful, selfless, generous love of God for you and for me, for people who never deserved it in the first place, it was generously given, and then we arrogantly and pridefully walked away from him, did our own thing, and still God pursued us in love. He pursued our best in love. Jesus stood in our place so that we can stand in his place and join him in this loving relationship today and for all of eternity. That is the love of God. That is the love. That's why he commands us to love him so that we can join in this relationship. It's for us. It's for our enjoyment. It's for our delight because this is the pinnacle of life. The pinnacle of love, the pinnacle of joy and delight is in God. We're created for it. We broke it. Jesus came to fix it. And now the invitation is given. Will you trust Jesus and be rejoined 
into the loving relationship with the Father? Will you trust Christ? Have you trusted him? I'm not talking about, do you know religion? Have you believed in a religious act? Have you, are you working to be a good person? Are, are you thinking that God's love is conditional and, and that you have to measure up because we're never going to measure up? We have to know that Jesus already measured up for us and he offers us his perfect standing with God. By faith, by trusting in Jesus alone, by trusting in the Son who has come to live and to die and to rise, that alone joins us into this relationship. It's not our works. That's what enables us to love and be trusted in Him. Man, I, I just... If you are watching this right now and you've not trusted in Jesus or you're, you're doubting, you're questioning, you're skeptical, you're just not sure. The Bible tells us that, that in faith, when we trust Christ, God sends the Holy Spirit to, to live in us, and, and His Spirit confirms with our spirit that we are sons like Jesus, daughters, children of God. And so if you're unsure, I, I would love right now for you to text me or call me, 817 709-9121. And just say, I don't know. I, I, I want to know, but I don't know. And that's okay. It's okay for, for you to not know right now, but we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there. And I would just love to talk with you and listen and hear where you are. But don't, don't miss out on being in loving relationship with God. Don't, don't, don't miss out. It's there for us. I, I know many of you watching and listening right now, you are a Christian. You have trusted God and, and Jesus has restored you into a loving relationship with God. But I also know that that doesn't mean life is perfect. It doesn't mean that we're going to do it right all the time. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have slumps and, and valleys and, and hard times, right? And so Maybe the love of God, what he has done to initiate and to restore, maybe it just doesn't move us. It doesn't move you. It doesn't overwhelm you like it should. What do you think's in the way? What do you think is, is obstructing your receiving the love that God is always giving? What do you think is obstructing you from loving him in return? Is there any sin in your life, any unconfessed, unrepentant sin that you're, you're not actively working to, to, to put away? Any sin that's still hidden and in the dark, as long as there is sin that is hidden and is unconfessed and unrepented, it will always be an obstacle to our receiving God's full love and giving Him love in return. We've got to put it away. And, and we don't have to be ashamed of that. We don't have to hold on to it. There is freedom in confession and repentance with God. There's freedom with Him. And so just trust Him. Don't trust anything around you. Don't trust what may happen or circumstances. Trust Him. There's freedom in that. I think a big reason why we don't, we don't marvel at this love is time. 
We just don't spend time with God remembering his love for us and why we love him. I think for Stephanie and I, like we know that when we don't spend time together, we, we can just forget what, what we love about the other pe- person. We've got to spend time with one another, quality, undistracted time. And so maybe it's just spending more time with him, listening, sitting, being. What about active obedience? We're called to be obedient, that when we love God, we will be obedient. It's a, it's a natural outflow of our love is being obedient. So maybe there's just ways that, that you know you're not being obedient right now to him. Maybe it's in Christian community. We're not loving our brothers and sisters as Christ has commanded us to love. And so we're, we're being selfish with our, our community. Maybe it's generosity. We're, we're holding tightly to our things, to our money, to our time. We're thinking it's mine. It's my, my paycheck. It's my time. It's my schedule. And, and God's telling us to give generously of it as he has given to us. Maybe it's hospitality to outsiders. God's calling us to love others, to welcome people in. And we're just not. When we trust Christ, when we trust what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit fills us and we are able to love like God because God himself is in us. The love of God is in us to do that. And so the only reason we don't love like God is we're choosing not to. And I realize there's, man, sometimes there's, we got to work through it and we've got to, it's a process. But, but I think working in a process is love. It may not look the way we want it to look yet. It may not feel the way we want it to feel yet. But, but working, recovering, healing, restoring, repenting, that is a love for God. So don't, don't let the fact that we're in a process make us think we're not loving God. Just commit to work. Commit to, to giving love and to healing and to restoring. Man, God's love is unbelievable. He didn't need us at all. He just wanted to invite us into a relationship with Him, to, to share in, in this relationship. And we pridefully and arrogantly walked away. And yet God's love is so generous and so abundant that he pursued us. Took the position of our servant. He lived how we were supposed to live. He died where we were supposed to die. And he rose from the dead to give us his new and eternal life. That's incredible love. Let's let's think on that. Let's sit on that. Let's end there just thinking on that love. No doubt you've felt love before. You, you've, you've felt the love of a, of a parent or a spouse or a friend, and you know it's not perfect. And God's love is perfect. He loves us unconditionally. And He fulfills the conditions for us through Jesus to love Him in return. It's all a gift. What is God telling you to do with that love? How is he telling you to receive it? Don't don't be passive with God's love today. 
but actively respond in faithful obedience. God, speak to us. Let us know your love and how we can respond to it. In Jesus, we pray and we ask. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.